Welcome to the Redeemed Hearts Podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. Thank you for joining us today as Worley and Danina review and offer insight from Paul David Tripp's book, Marriage, Six Gospel Commitments Every Couple Needs to Make. This episode is part one of two, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you'll get part two as well when it comes out next week. Thanks so much for listening today. Here's Worley and Danina. Hi there. Hey there. We're glad to be back. We had some sickness go on that kept us from recording last month. So Yeah, we've been we've been <laughs> working to do this one for some time. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to get to do it. We are. If you joined us in January, you uh, would have heard us talk about the fact that for this year of 2023, we plan to just do several book reviews because in our experience with counseling, um, sometimes we find that we'll you know, want to refer people to read something to go along with what we're working on in counseling. And there are a lot of people that just aren't readers or they don't feel like they have time to read. And we just discussed how there are some really good you know, books out there that um, we, we'd we like to just do a review on, and, and maybe it'll encourage you to go ahead and get the book or listen to the book even um, on, you know, an, an audio format, but um, at least get some content from some really good books out there. So Yeah, so we picked this month or this time to review Paul David Tripp's book um, that he actually, when he wrote it in 2010, it was called what did you expect re- redeeming the realities of marriage? There were several printings over the years. And then in 2021, he changed the title of the book mm-hmm. and did some revisions to communicate better the heart of the book. And the new title is Marriage, Six Gospel Commitments Every Couple Needs to Make. And this is one of those books that we have recommended and it can be a little daunting. And so we want to actually encourage uh, whoever listens to this, how they might go about reading the book, <clears throat> and then just give some basic outlines in this podcast. And then we're going to do another podcast in which we're going to emphasize some of the things that we think are important mm-hmm. in the books and takeaways. Uh, Paul Tripp is a good writer, and he tells stories about real people that can make the reader identify with the content. Mm-hmm. And we found this as we read this. He does a great job of flowing between his stories, his illustrations, and then the points that he's trying to make. But he can be wordy and, mm-hmm. and lengthy as he explains and the, the the content here. And it can make it seem a little overwhelming. Or kind you, of repetitive for some people. Yeah, yeah. as you get into it, <clears throat> it's probably necessary um, but uh, it's part of the reason we want to do these podcasts and give a suggestion about how to read it. Uh, even though it's long, though, we highly recommend it as mm-hmm. something that couples of all ages, all stages in your married relationship could read just to provide structure or a framework um, for for the commitments that uh, is important in marriage, and then it's something to revisit later in marriage. Before we get into any of the details of today, what what thoughts do you have as far as 
the book and the assessment and just the readability of the book. Well, I agree with everything you've said. I mean, it's a, a long book. It's 362 pages. Um, I would say that it's a deep book. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we go over the different sections in our book review, I think what you said earlier is people will find themselves in this book mm-hmm. individually. You're going to find yourself, but you're going to find your marriage in this book too. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what we love as Christian counselors is you're going to find a biblical frame of reference for why marriage can be hard mm-hmm. and expect it to be hard mm-hmm. <laughs> and the hope of God. Um, redeeming those struggles. I would say this book is not one of those practical how to have a happy marriage in five steps kind of book. (laughs) Instead, I would really describe this book as a put off pretending, Mm -hmm. um, you know, look realistically at marriage and look deeply at what's driving you personally and what's motivating you in marriage to do what you do kind of book. So, which, of course, as counselors, we know for a, a marriage to be sustainable, it's going to take that kind of work. Mm-hmm. So um, so we like that. I think the other thing is um, sometimes it's hard when things are going on in marriage and even in our marriage. Um, I, I mean, after 30 years of marriage— 33. Yes, 33, almost 34. We are—we read this book, and there were a lot of things— be- because every marriage gets in some patterns mm-hmm. and some cycles of how they relate or how we handle our conflict or, or how we communicate. Yeah. yeah. And so, in like a, I tell you things over and over again, it just seems like I just keep thinking, when is she going to understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Why are you laughing? Since I think it's probably the other way around. It is the other way around. <laughs> yeah. But, but true, you can get in mm-hmm. communicating things. The same way, and so even in this, it helped to. It gave it even gave me some new yeah. language to say, "Worley, when I've been saying this for thirty years in marriage." Yeah. No. So this will be our next thirty years worth of language. <laughs> this is what I, um, I mean. I think what Paul says here. This is kind of what I'm trying to say, and it's in a new. It, it, you know, some of it is just a new language You're that right. can you know, help you be able but to, to be fair. I know we're joking. Things. I think that is very helpful and important mm-hmm. uh, because of what you're saying about the patterns we get into. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it's not easy, but it's also encouraging. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes both couples being willing to, if you're going to read a book so often, I mean, we have people say, you know, I'm going to be the only one to read the book or I'll be the only one to listen to that podcast. And so, you know, the couple's not going to grow together. And yeah. so part of what you want to suggest is some ways couples might can connect and still yeah. grow together. Yeah, and I actually would suggest breaking this book into sections and then allowing several weeks to read each section. Mm-hmm. And this is something that, this is a book you're going to have to settle into for a period of time, six months, eight months, maybe even a year. You don't need to rush. If you got one time a month, you visited each section and spent some time on it. But um, as you do that, I would suggest that, you know, the couples either read or listen to it together. If that's not possible, then after you read or listen to it, come together and talk about the 
different core commitments from the book. Mm-hmm. And we were visiting recently with some people who sh- were sharing um, how the wife, she's an avid reader, reads all the time. The husband has never been a reader, and and these it's later in life for these people. Mm-hmm. And um, the wife has started in the evenings reading to the husband, and he has been super excited about mm-hmm. it. He's been surprised how much he's loved that mm-hmm. and really how much he's personally grown mm-hmm. as a person because of just learning mm-hmm. through reading. So, you know, if, if you're not a reader but your spouse is, um, y- you you can do something like that, and there's no shame in that, and it's, it's a way that you're connecting together and you're growing together. Yeah, well, and I just really like how you, you've said this about this book, that this is one, it'd be better to read just a little bit and get something right. from it than to not read it at all. Right. And, and sometimes, take a year if you need to. And sometimes we read books thinking, well, we got to get through it and then I can talk about it. But I do not recommend that on this book. And what if you took, you know, a lot of couples will watch a show together. You know, it may spend three or four nights watching a show. What if you took one night a week or mm-hmm. one night every other week and replaced watching the show with reading the book and mm-hmm. listening to it and then taking a little bit of time to discuss it? Mm-hmm. Just that would that would produce some some dividends for it. Mm-hmm. So the first four chapters of this book, it's about 75 pages. I think you should make that a section. And then the rest of the book after that lays out in nice, neat sections. So um, this first four chapters that makes this section really lay a foundation for the rest of the book. Um, The first title, the title of the first chapter is What Did You Expect? And it really speaks to the reality that in marriage, you have two people who come together and each one is a sinner, and because you take a sinner and a sinner and put them together, that doesn't equal or turn into just a holy person, meaning your marriage is going to have trouble. And so he he poses the question in the title, well, what did you expect? Mm-hmm. Well, of course, you have trouble in your marriage. And I like that. I think it, it kind of it can it, remove the shame even for some couples for struggling. And, and it's kind of a breath of fresh air to say, well, to couples who are struggling is to say, well, of course we are. Mm-hmm. You should be struggling. And it sets the tone for the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. And, and in this chapter, <clears throat> um, Paul Tripp says that we must remember we are living between the already and not yet. And he goes on to quote him. He says, while Christ has died for our sins and made a way for us to be reconciled to him and each other, we are still not made into the perfect likeness of Christ that we will one day experience upon his return. We live in this in-between, one sinner married to another sinner, both in need of God's grace. And then he goes on to say, at some point, you will be selfish. In some situation, you will speak unkindly. There will be moments of jealousy, bitterness, and conflict. You will not avoid this, once again, he's saying, because you are a sinner married to a sinner. And when we forget this, our expectations on ourselves and our marriage can become misaligned, 
and God's grace is replaced with anger, and we turn moments of ministry into moments of anger. <clears throat> and I think this helps couples be able to think about, do I have realistic expectations on myself, mm-hmm. um, on my spouse, but also on you know marriage here? Because when our, I've said this in another podcast, but when our expectations and our reality are too far apart, that leaves a lot, a big gap in between there for all of the, you know, the feelings, Mm -hmm. the, you know, pain and the grief and the anger and the frustration or the shame. I mean, what, whatever it might be. You know, and when you view it this way, marriage is a gift of God's grace to us to be God's tool of sanctification or God's tool of change in our spouse's life. Mm-hmm. It's God's design to do that. And if we see this in this way, then we actually join God in in his work in our spouse's life mm-hmm. and vice versa. So um which has to include what he says here. Um when he says God's grace is replaced with anger. Yeah. Because I mean we need God's grace, but I need your grace when you know, I have things going on, and you need my grace when I have things going on, and rather a demanding spirit that, you know, Which, angry spirit. To replace anger with something else is what I think about when you say that, that instead of anger, let's say there's a lot of conflict in a couple's life. Instead of that, can you see that here's an opportunity uh, that God can use you? So it just takes mm-hmm. a lot of thought. As you can see in that first chapter, the next chapter, he goes on and, and and says that even though there's a reality of sin and disappointments in the marriage, he gives a lot of hope. And the hope that we have as believers is our worship of a powerful and good God that takes our focus off of one another only. Mm-hmm. And to quote um, Paul Tripp here, he says, um, so... What gives you reason to continue when the little problems have gotten under your skin or the big problems have left you devastated in marriage? What produces a marriage of love, unity, and understanding? He says his answer will surprise his reader because it's not more romance, it's worship. That's really good. Mm -hmm. And Tripp explains that we think of worship as, you know, gathering, singing, uh, um, having offerings, having a sermon. But Tripp says, worship is first our identity before it's ever our activity. Worship is first our identity before it's ever our activity. And because the Bible says we were created to worship, we have to remind ourselves that that's who we are. We are a worshiper. And everything we think, we desire, we choose, we do, or we say is shaped by either who we worship or what we worship. So Tripp is encouraging the reader here to think about basically, you know, what what triggers our most intense reactions, he says, um, of either frustration and anger or what intensifies our reaction of delight and to consider that that's revealing who we worship or what we worship. And that this will give us reason, if we can identify this, 
and get our worship in the right place to continue working on our marriage in the really disappointing moments. Yeah, reason to continue is the title of the chapter as he sets a foundation here. So, you know, we, in in this worship of who God is, we, but we're learning a lot about ourselves and ultimately it takes a focus off of us. And so, and I, I mean, as an example, I let's say I worship um, having peace and not having conflict. Right. If that's what I worship, then I'm not going to work through things with you, right. and I'm not going to talk about the hard things that we need to talk about. Right. Um, I, I mean, it's the Bible's very clear that we are worshipers, and we are always worshiping something. If I'm worshiping myself and me getting what I want and my needs met, then I'm bringing that to every <clears throat> moment of our marriage, and that's going to impact you. It's going to impact us. And, I mean, ultimately, it's impacting me because my worship's in the wrong place. So we may have more conflict once you would stop doing that, but— in our conflict, you know, we direct our attention to the Lord, and we go to Him with our conflict. And yes, we may have conflict. We may mm-hmm. not have this peace that you've been holding on to, but but um, it it it's a heart changer. It it does something for us. Mm-hmm. That, so it's the reason <laughs> to continue and to keep going on there. Mm-hmm. Now it goes from there into the the next chapter in this first section of the foundation for the kind of the rest of the book, and it's titled, Whose Kingdom? Um, And here again, it just gives significance to the fact that God brought us together, not for our ultimate happiness, but for something He's doing and something He wants to do in us individually, but even together. And then that, in turn, you know, He's able to use for what He would accomplish, you know, as as a couple beyond us. And so again, the title, Whose Kingdom Are We Living For? And it it, it gives it gives meaning to this r- relationship that God's designed called marriage. Mm-hmm. And Paul Tripp sets a foundation for marriage in this chapter, really, when he asks that question. I mean, whose kingdom is shaping your marriage and whose kingdom's defining your dreams? Mm-hmm. Um, He suggests that could it perhaps be that what you thought was love was not really kingdom of God, other-centered, other-service love? Could it be that what you wanted was for the other person to love you as much as you love you? Could it be that your anger reveals how zealously committed you are to the purposes of your own kingdom? And then he, he goes on to say, reconciling your marriage begins when you begin to reconcile with God. It begins when you begin to pray this radical prayer that Jesus prayed. Your kingdom come, your will be done, right here, right now, in this marriage, as it is in heaven. And that good things happen as a result of that kind of prayer. And I thought, I've, I've never thought to insert marriage into the Lord's Prayer yeah, like that. And you know... So right there is part of the reason we would say it just it it, it kind of grabs hold of you, and you and I thirty three years into our marriage as we're reading the book can be disrupted by patterns and things that we need to look at again and say hey, Lord we want this to be about 
we want us to be about you and what you're doing and would you continue to do that and that chapter kingdom leads into the last one in this first part of the book called day by day and it's the daily commitments that's going to be covered in the rest of the book but it's a lifestyle of ongoing reconciliation that's needed for all of us to have marriage in a fallen world mm-hmm. and to quote trip in this um chapter here. He um, is basically setting a foundation for the rest of the book and telling his readers that things don't go bad in a marriage in an instant. Mm -hmm. The character of a marriage is not formed in one grand moment, but in the little daily moments. And he makes his point by saying, if you are a sinner married to a sinner, and you are, then it's very dangerous and potentially destructive to allow yourself to coast as a couple. You simply will not live a day together where no act of thoughtlessness, self-interest, anger, arrogance, self-righteousness, bitterness, or disloyalty will rear its ugly head. And then he says, often, um, you know, these things might be benign and kind of low level. Mm -hmm. You're not necessarily Mm -hmm. aware of them, but it will still be there um, under the surface. So we have to pay attention. So basically... He's saying here, pay attention to your own heart, your own actions, your words, and to those of your spouse. And that's going to take being still and thinking about it and and taking some time. And if we want to be able to say we have a marriage that's growing in love, unity, intimacy, and friendship, I mean, we can't be relationally lazy. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that, you know, often that, <laughs> that you know, if if one person is doing all the work mm-hmm. in the marriage and another person is being relationally lazy, mm-hmm. um, it causes so much pain and so much distrust. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it, it can over years get to a place that the marriage is, you know, completely um, eroded or, you know, not sustainable. So, um, yeah. And it really goes against this idea that um, marriage is good if, we both feel good or we're not in conflict mm-hmm. or, you know, it, it's marriage is much more than that. It elevates, he's elevating marriage to the place that God intends for it to be. It's the oldest institution known to man. It's foundational, but it serves so much more of God's purpose than just procreation and just, hey, we're this, you know, happy couple that never has trouble. Mm-hmm. And don't be relationally lazy in the good seasons. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's just so critical because when you hit a hard season, and it may not even be in your marriage, but it's in life. Yeah. And so then the truth about mar- you know, yourself and marriage kind of comes out at that point. Um, it, it's it's what you've—and this is what he's saying in this chapter. It's the little moments. It's what's been—what you've been doing day after day after day. Um, in the good moments, that's going to also help sustain you in the hard seasons of marriage. So, so he, so he, so he gives us an outline through the rest of the book to to be able to address it, to not be lazy by giving six gospel commitments. And through the rest of the book, he covers these, and each commitment, there's six of them, is covered in a couple of chapters. The last commitment's covered over three chapters. Um, 
And so let me just name the commitments Mm -hmm. as we bring our podcast for today to a close. The first one is we will give ourselves to a lifestyle of confession and forgiveness. Second one is we will make growth and change our daily agenda. Third, we will work together to build a sturdy bond of trust. Fourth, we will commit to building a relationship of love. Fifth, we will deal with our differences with appreciation and grace. And then six, we will work to protect our marriage. So when going through this, I would say take several weeks to read, to be intentional, to discuss the first one, how it's a couple, how that you will give yourselves to lifestyle of confession and forgiveness. He's going to use scriptures and stories. He's going to go into detail as to how confession, forgiveness, and grace, they're essential to a healthy marriage. And then once you've completed that section, go to the next one. And it could take several weeks to to discuss how growth and change can become your daily agenda. Mm -hmm. And then... In this section, he actually uses uh, a garden illustration to explain that marriage is pulling weeds and planting seeds. Mm-hmm. Just a picture, a good picture of that. And we're going to share a little more of that in the next podcast. Yeah. So that's the pattern, I would say, as you go through the whole book of these commitments um, as you're being strengthened while you do it, of course, because the Scripture and the Spirit and your your community, your conversation with one another. Um, and then he ends it with the the commitment of protecting your marriage. And so um, I just think it's, um, it's worth the time, the effort, the energy uh, to be able to in, in settle into your, your marriage and have a, a guide to do so. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're going to get into the next time a, a, a the podcast, we're going to talk about some of the things that stood out to us, just a few. So mm-hmm. any comments before we close? I don't think so, but I do hope you can, um, you know, join us next week on the the following podcast, just because we, um, I mean, we are going to each kind of share three of our favorite things, and there's just a lot of good ta- content there. So uh, thanks for joining us. And we don't often say this, but we... Know, appreciate when we hear from you and you know we thank you for those that have subscribed or even you know rated our podcast and are passed it along to others and I know there are some groups that have told us you even have met in groups and discussed our podcast some together and so anyway um, it encourages us to kind of keep doing some of what we're doing so we did want to say thank you and we um, look forward to sharing our three favorite takeaways from the book next time. See you next time. Thank you again for joining us today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. We pray that today's episode brought you hope and encouragement. If you're looking for more content from Worley and Danina or want to reach out and contact us, we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, and feel free to share this episode on social media. Have a great week, and God bless.